Welcome everybody to my podcast. I have a special guest today. My good friend Bernard. Now you know who he is. Everybody knows who he is. He's a hero in my book. Not only a hero, a hero that we need. We need more heroes like this, this incredible man. Bernard Carrick. I mean, not only that he fought for freedom, he's still fighting for freedom now. His entire career, his entire life is fighting for you and me. It's an honor and privilege to have him here today and to chat. You know, my, my podcast is about taking care of the American people, talking like the American people, like us, just normal folks, getting down to business, finding a solution, and talking about the freaking truth, right? So uh, in Jesus' name, here we go. Let's introduce, let's bring him on. How are you? One second. There you are, my friend. How you doing, pal? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. I'm doing great. I... Um, you know, our people have been asking about, they're worried. You know, the American people, pal, and I, I don't want to get into the bad stuff, but we're so surrounded by so many bad things and darkness around us. I, I, and you're still in New York, right? Still in New York. Uh, I actually live out in Jersey, about 40 minutes outside the city, but I'm in, uh, I'm in New York City uh, pretty much all the time. Well, you know what? I used to live in New York, pal, and I used to, um, used to love going there. I used to just 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 go there. I mean, I used to go to New York every every other week, right? Especially when uh, when when Giuliani was there, the good old days. And yeah. um, there was something special about the city, and it still is there. How do you feel about what is going on over there? I mean, it's a war zone. How do you feel about what's going on in that hellhole? Well, listen, I, I think as somebody that was a part of the cleanup, uh, you know, in New York. I remember back in uh, 1986 when I joined the NYPD, one of my first assignments out of the academy was a foot post on West 42nd Street, the heart of Times Square. One block. I had a one block foot post between 7th and 8th Avenue, and there were eight of us, four cops on each side of the street, a sergeant on each side of the street, and a lieutenant as well that basically checked out all these guys right right it was mass chaos 24 hours a day i don't care if you work the day tour an afternoon tour a midnight tour you were running from one end of the block to the other you know a man with a gun a robbery in progress somebody got raped somebody got shot somebody got stabbed and then giuliani came along in 1993 wins the election takes over in 94 and basically tells the cops, go out and do the job you were sworn to do. I'm going to support you, I'm going to back you, and I'm going to give you the money to do it. And during that time, I started to come up the chain. I wound up leaving uh, the NYPD. I went to Rikers Island. I took over oh, Rikers wow. Island wow. in uh, in 1994, 95. Uh, I was at Rikers for six years. Um, we left. Uh, Pretty bad Island. place out there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, back then, Rikers, uh, when we took over, it yeah. was uh, it was one of the worst and most violent jail systems in the country. In the country, that's we right. We had about 133,000 admissions per year. Um, we averaged about 150 stabbings and slashings per month. Wow. And, uh, and when I left to become New York City's police commissioner... Um, that month, actually, August of 2000, I actually had one stabbing, and I was pissed. I was like, we had 
had to have one. Like, I wanted none. But uh, the bottom line is we cleaned up Rikers, and then we cleaned up the city. Yep. And Giuliani left uh, with me. Uh, we re- I retired in 2002 after 9-11. We left the city on a platinum platter. You did. For Bloomberg. And, uh, and Bloomberg carried on for another 12 years. <sighs> carried on the Giuliani policies. Um, the city was flourishing. The city, the, the economic income, the, the you know, real estate development, real estate values, tourism at all-time highs. And then de Blasio came in. And as, as weird as this may sound, de Blasio did everything physically in his power to degrade the city. Why? To destroy the city. Why do you think that? It, 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 you know what, Antonio? I, I, I don't... I don't um, Nobody really knows, other than this, you know, this globalist socialist movement. It's the same agenda. Um, you know that they they continue to push today. But keep in mind, De Blasio was the king of that kind of stuff, right? This is a guy that supported the Sandinistas back in 1985 uh, in Nicaragua. Yeah, he was uh, he was a guy that supported Black Lives Matter and Antifa, and Black Lives Matter, as I've said consistently since its creation was nothing but a a carry-on if you will from the black liberation army and the black panther party back in the the 70s and 80s that were you know engaged in bombings and violence and cop assassinations you know and uh he loved these he loved these organizations but tell me tell me something about because new york and new yorkers are one of a kind you are one of them. You've seen it after 9-11. I've seen it. I used to live there. All my Italian, you know, cousins and people and friends and just they're, they're fed up. But they have, there's something about New Yorkers. They have a will to survive and they have a will to say enough is enough. We, where are these people? Why are they voting for the same people? Why, why, why are these people voting for these folks, man? What is going you know, on I, here? Why? You know, it's a, it's a really good question. And I why? think... I think we may see some changes in this governor's election, uh, hopefully. Yeah. But keep in mind, in 1993, when Giuliani got elected, yeah. David Dinkins had been the mayor for four years. Mm-hmm. The first black mayor in the history of New York City came in talking about cleaning up crime, did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And crime was at an all-time high. We were averaging in 2000. And in, in 1992, three, we were averaging more than 2,100 murders per year. And if you think about that, that's more than LA, Chicago, and Atlanta today combined. Right? right. Yeah. So it was the crime capital of the world, the murder capital of the, of the United States. When Giuliani came in, he said, listen, nobody wants to work, visit, live, or go to school in a place where they're not safe. So Correct. my number one priority is to clean it up. And that's what he did. And that's what the people elected, right? They didn't give a damn anymore. He's a Democrat. He's a Republican. Exactly. Oh, it all went out the yeah. window. Because yeah. people were scared to death right. to walk the streets of the city. And it's coming back to that now. Yeah. You know, Eric Adams, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City today, he used to work for me. Yeah. He was a lieutenant in the NYPD under my command. And he wasn't, uh, I could say, he wasn't like a fireball cop when he was out there. But I, I tried to be as optimistic as possible when he came into office because he worked for me when we cleaned it up. 
Right. He knows. He knows exactly how we cleaned up New York City. He knows all the policies, all the programs, all the enforcement efforts. All right. you have to do is follow follow the program that we instituted back in the early mid nineties to early two thousands. Correct. He has consistently refused to do that. So I personally think he's gonna follow if he doesn't change dramatically over the next year and a half, two years, he's gonna follow in the footsteps of David Dinkins. Mm-hmm. Because if crime continues to increase as it does as it is today, mm-hmm. the murder rate continues to increase. Eric Adams is going to be a one-term mayor. I sure hope so. I mean, if that is the case, I mean, I see so much violence, and we see it with our own eyes, technology and phones and videos and things. I just saw one yesterday. I mean, I cannot, and I'm telling you, as as your friend, and I see these things, and I go, as a father, as a husband, and whatever, as a human being, I, I see people being pushed into the railway and a subway. I mean, they're pushing people I saw the video with my own eyes. Yeah. I mean, I saw I think people are being raped in the subway all over. I mean, what we're beyond we're beyond, you know, this is not even a it seems like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thriller, a movie, like a dark yeah. film, but it's reality that it's happening every day and people are living in that environment going we're going to vote for these people. I'm being robbed. My house is being robbed. I, my car is being stolen. I'm scared for my life. I have people who, leave, who live in Queens, who live in, in the outskirts where you live in Connecticut, who will not go to the city at all. Yeah. No, I know. I know. It's and, and it's a shame because New York is one of the most amazing, spectacular cities in the world. I mean, they already destroyed San Francisco, another s- splendid, you know, Beautiful. It was that's many years ago. It's not like that anymore. But Gavin Newsom, who was the mayor of that city, who destroyed San Francisco, is destroying the state, and people are, are voting. In New York, it's the same thing. And 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 I just want to say to people, if you live in that environment, how long are you going to stick to it? How long are you going to fear for your life? And all the not to mention, and you know this better than anybody, all the regulations and all the laws they're implementing on the books. They really do not protect the American people and definitely not the New Yorkers in any way, shape, or form. Um, so you feel that we have a chance in several weeks from now to get some sort of order. Is that what you think is going to happen? I think, I think you're going to see a major red flush around the country. Um, and I say that based on, based on my movement, based on my you know, getting around the country, meeting the different candidates, seeing what's going on in those places. You know, Arizona, I think you're going to see a Republican governor, attorney general, uh, the council, uh, I mean, the Congress uh, there, mm-hmm. um, the Secretary of State, Mark Finch, is mm-hmm. running on the, on the Republican ticket. I see you're going to, I think you're going to see a flush in Arizona. I think you're going to see a, a bunch of these states, which was borderline, uh, red, blue, uh, they're, they're all going to move into the red because people are scared to death. If you take the four, top four or five categories, right, mm-hmm. what's people's major concerns? No, right Economics, now. the gas, you know, you can't get food in the grocery store. You can't afford what you're buying in, in the grocery store. No. The borders are completely wide open. Right. Crime is out of control. All these things... These are table-talking things, right? These are the things that your family talks about at night 
when you're sitting around the dinner table having dinner. Okay, that's a problem. That's a problem for the Democrats. That's going to be a problem for this country if it continues. And I think it's going to change. I sure hope so. I pray to God every day that at least we wake up on common sense alone because I think that would solve the problems. You know, you, you, we're so stuck, or at least people are so stuck on the party and the party lines and the color. If, I look at it this way. If, if you're trying to take care of a job and you're not taking care of that job, you should be fired because that's just you have a position. You're hired to do something. You don't do a good job. You have six months, a year, whatever. You leave. Um, and, and the American people have that chance right now. This is the time to fire people and to stand out for what is right for your safety and the safety of the next generation. You know, I've, I've been talking, you know, I, I'm very close to law enforcement. I respect you guys. I have great admiration for law enforcement and military. I always have and I always will. I train with them. You know, I, I have my CCW in different states. I train with the best. I hang out with people who live who, you know, our, our border patrol, who are dealing with so much crime on a daily basis. Our border is open, like you said. But what I'm afraid is, and this is, I'm, I'm asking, I'm talking to a cop. I'm talking to somebody who's in that environment and still is, spent his entire life protecting people. Police officers nowadays don't want to become cops anymore. They don't have the tools. They don't have... They, they don't have anything to, to really do their jobs. So, and, and a lot of them are out of shape. I mean, I see cops just, why are we doing this for, you know? I mean, a lot of police officers can't even take care of themselves, so they have to have several jobs on the weekends and maybe be a bouncer over here or work somewhere else over here because they can't take care of it. So we're spending, and they want to defund the police, and that's what I want to get to. So you have, they push the cops away. There's no respect for police officers. Police officers don't have respect for themselves because they're not being respected. Before, you used to have a police officer. I mean, for me, when I see a cop, I see anybody, I say, thank you for your service. I, I, I have great admiration. You're risking your life for basically strangers. But now their respect has been taken away by the media and all that other stuff. How do you feel about the state of the police force in our country today? You know what? You, you, touched, on a, um, you touched on a topic that is... It's, I think it's far worse than the, the everyday person realizes, and here's why. You know, when you say they don't, they're not respected by their communities, right? Right. Guess what? In many of these jurisdictions, they're not respected by the actual political leaders that they work for, mm. right? Yeah. You have governors, mayors, city council members that are calling for defunding. You've got members of Congress calling for defunding, yet will spend a half a million dollars a year on their own personal private security. Correct. The bottom line is when you defund the police, and I think this is what people don't realize, the first thing that goes is manpower. Then their training goes. Then their resources go, right? Everything they need, all the resources they need. For the last 30 or 40 years, Antonio, what we've tried to do is give the police as much and many resources as they can use to do their job safely, securely, and within the confines of the law. Well, if you start taking that stuff away, if you take the training away, if you take the, the resources and the tools away to do that job, then they're back out on the street, fisticuffs and guns, that's it. They have to revert to deadly force when normally they would use a taser. They would use an asp baton. They would use 
a number of different tools, but now they're not getting them because they're being defunded. Now they're not getting the training with those resources because they're being defunded. So the bottom line is in New York City, for example, and I, I actually just, I put this on my Instagram the other day because I, I thought it was overwhelming compared to what I'm seeing today. Yeah. My graduating class in the NYPD in 1986 yeah. was 2,200. Wow. 2,200 cops graduated the academy. Yeah. In Madison Square Garden, we had about 10,000 viewers wow. in the garden, filled up the garden, right, with my graduating class. Wow. Today, the graduating classes of the NYPD, 350, 500. They had one yesterday, the day before, 600. They're not getting the recruits that they used to get. They're not getting the interest that they used to get. Nobody wants to go out and work for somebody that is not going to support them or indemnify them or, or, you know, back them should yeah. they become engaged in a circumstance that's questionable. Yeah. You know, Giuliani had a policy. Until somebody shows me that you violated the law or department policy, I've got your back. Mm. Period. That's it. You don't have that kind of stuff. Today. Yeah. So men and women that want to engage in public service, they're scared to death. They don't know if they should do it or not. And I think that's what we're seeing in the recruitment efforts around the country. And I remember having dinner with Giuliani when we had dinner at uh, Mar-a-Lago uh, yeah, several years ago um, before they did what they did to Trump. But he told me, you know, this is a very dangerous time that we live in when, and ba even back then, as you know, they were just um, attacking the police force uh, left and right. Criminals were becoming famous. Police officers were becoming the criminals. And uh, I have, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just think that the fight that we have to do, uh, we have to do it together as a nation and we have to come to our senses before we leave our, you know, we lose our country and we leave it behind for good. And I think it's worth fighting for. I mean, like I said, I mean, I used to go and living in New York, um, as you know, the vibe, the whole climate of the city, walking, getting to know people, and then the, the mask and the mandates changed that. People were not talking to each other. There's something about New York that is, it was pleasant. And I'm missing that because it was, you could ask any police officer. You can talk to people on the street and go, uh, how do I get over here? What's the favorite, what's your favorite restaurant? Is there somewhere you could always get by? New Yorkers were there to hand you, oh, you want to come and live in New York? Come on down. You know, um, the, the great restaurants and all this other, just, it's so beautiful. It really is. I love, I, the best times of my life was living in New York. Um, and now, when you disrespect the police force, officers who are basically, you know, taking care of their families, going to work for no money. Now, like you said, you know, they're, they're defunding the police, which makes absolutely no sense. How, how do you see this going? I, I think, you know, how do you see this going in the next, do you think we have a chance with Trump coming back, do you, do you think we have a chance at, at getting some sort of, um, you know, basic common sense here? Well, I think, I think on the police recruitment side, there's there's two elements, right? There's the men and women that want to serve, and you know they're they're inspired to serve. You know, I, I have a son; he's thirty six years old. He's been on the Newark Police Department for 
17 years now. Oh, God Ryan bless him. been a cop for 17 years. Thank you. Came on a job at 19. Wow. Newark is a rough place. It is. Uh, he's, you know, he's been out there. He's one of the team leaders wow. on their SWAT team. Um, it's a rough place to work. And I actually had him come up to my house one day. Uh, I live up in, in northern Jersey, and I, I sat him down. And I said, listen, maybe it's time to get out of Newark. You know, yeah. you've got three kids now, younger kids. Maybe it's time to get out. Yeah. You know, come to a place out in the suburbs where it's more calm, it's more secure. There's a lot more money to be made, um, you know, than the, the urban cities. And he looks at me and says, hey, Dad, when people in your community, um, they have geese in their swimming pool in the backyard, he goes, they call the cops. He goes, I'm not chasing geese around a swimming pool. <laughs> he said, I love what I do. Yeah. I love my job. I love the guys I work for and work with. So you have you have that mentality, right? Right. And then you got other guys, other men and women, they're looking for the job security, they're yeah. looking for the benefits, the insurance, and the retirement. Right. Um, between those two, you know, naturally, I'd rather have the men and women that really want to do the job. Right. Um, but regardless, we're having a major problem with recruitment, and here's where that changes. Yeah. If we get somebody new in the White House that's going to support the men and women in law enforcement and push for that support around the country, all that changes. It's just like New York City when Rudy Giuliani came in. Right. The cops were completely demoralized under David Dinkins. Yeah. When Giuliani came in and said, go out and do your job and I'm going to support you, I'm going to be there for you, I'm going to do whatever I can to back you up, guess what? The whole mentality changed. The whole morale changed. You were inspired. You were motivated. You went out and did your job and did it well. I think I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that when things change in Washington. Um, and and I, I, I want to touch on that one thing because this is Absolutely. a topic that comes up all the time. Yeah. Um, whether it's President Trump or whether it's any other Republican, what has to happen if they take back the White House in 2024, the number one thing that has to happen is they have to completely revamp the Department of Justice. And From, scratch. From scratch. From scratch. They have to basically revamp it. You know, you can't, you can't eliminate the FBI. People, I hear people say, you got to scratch it. You got you to gotta eliminate the FBI. Well, we need a federal investigative service. Absolutely. But what you don't need you don't need a political federal investigative service. You need basically men and women that just like in police departments all this all, all over this country, state and local police, they go out and do a job they're sworn to do, and they don't care what political persuasion you are. They don't care what color your skin is. They don't care what religion you are. They go out and they do that job on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. We now have people within the FBI and within the Justice Department, they're completely politically skewed, if you will. They are, you know, there's political persecutions. There's there's things going on that if you would have told me 20 years ago this stuff was going to happen, yeah, yeah. I would have laughed in your face. Correct. I would have said, no way. It's ne That's never, ever going to happen in the United States of America. The bottom line is it is happening. And it's happening at rates that 
you know, I, I could see if it was if it was a bad apple, you know, in, in some some group or some investigative body. This isn't one bad apple. This is an entire organization that's been infiltrated with political ideology um, that they're pushing uh, and and weaponizing through the, our criminal justice system. And, and it's wrong. It's wrong. It's very wrong. And um, as we're ending, I think we're going to have another 10 minutes, hopefully, if they don't cut us off. But uh, I want to touch on the perspective of a police officer who loves, like your son, like yourself, that loves their job, but they have a boss, a chief of police, who's a liberal, who follows these woke agendas, who doesn't let the police officers do their job. How frustrating is for a police officer anywhere, I guess, in the country at this point, I mean, except Florida, <laughs> um, that uh, is, is supported by their own people, their own leaders in the community, in the police force. How do they feel? You, you know what? It's, um, it, it, it's strange. It, it, it's one thing to say, how do they feel? I don't know how, as a mayor or a governor, you hire. It's your job. You hire the men and women in the police departments under you, how do you hire those men and women knowing the job they have to do, knowing the dangers and the perils that are inherent with that job? How do you hire them and then have the audacity not to support them or yeah. not to admire them and respect them? The, the sign and the, and the level of respect, sir, that they give, that they have given, and it's not just now, it's been happening for several years, uh, they've been building this up to get momentum. But as you're risking your life on a daily basis, literally risking your life and, 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 and being not supported by your peers, by people who are in higher places, you know, and, and you have to implement your, your, your job in, in a different way. You can't do your job. You can't go. The frustration and, and the level of disrespect, <clears throat> and I think it's happening in the military, as you know, as well, because even the military, people are not... In, enlisting at all, a military, a military on a daily basis being depleted. Yeah. Now, well, not only not only is it being depleted, um, you know, through attrition, it's yeah. being depleted as a result of some of these policies, the vaccine policy, and, and things like that. Look, I have, I have unbelievable relationships with the special operations community. Yeah. Um, you know. The, the global war on terror, if you will, all started, um, you know, at, at what I call, what we call uh, around the country is Ground Zero, which was the first battleground in that war where we lost 3,000 people. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten to know many of the leaders, uh, many of the, the special operators in the, in the special operations community. Sure. They have been decimated by the Department of Justice. They have been demoralized. They, they have, there's no motivation, no inspiration. The leadership of yesteryear in DOD and the special warfare community, especially in the Navy, for example, or special forces in the Army, right. it's been decimated, the mm -hmm. leadership. And, uh, and they're instituting all of these woke policies and all these things that like I said, in the police world, I never would have believed it. I would have never thought it in the, in the Defense Department or in the U.S. military. But it's happening. 
It's and, being allowed to happen. Yeah. And nobody in the White House is doing anything about it. In fact, they're encouraging it. So it's kind of crazy. And what happened to all the officers? They were they were pretty much deleted and put on the sideline because they did not want to get vaccinated. What happened to these people? Who's talking for them? They lost their jobs, right? Yeah. Not only did they lose their jobs, and here's what bugs me. You started to talk about this. You know, you're talking about the police chiefs that follow the woke agenda. You yeah. Know, they, they, they get down with this, these liberal policies. We have it in the military, too. Once you're a one-star general and you're trying to get that fourth star, yeah. guess what? It's all about politics. It's all about, you know, it, it's completely about politics. So these officers, and, they, and they're all over the country, what, where do they go? Where do they go for, for some sort of help? I mean, like, what, what do you do? Well, there, there's nothing they've been able to do, and I, and I think there's a good example of that is the last, uh, I guess it was about two or three weeks ago, when that uh, the kid from the Coast Guard, uh, you know, he rescued all of these people. Yeah. They had all this stuff going on. Yeah. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, Joe Biden, uh, the president, gives a speech and talks about what a great job this specific guy did. And... What Biden didn't know is that kid's on the termination list because he didn't get a vaccine. So at the end of the day, you're going to terminate a guy who you just commended. You just spoke for five minutes about this kid doing courageous, you know, valor, uh, valor award type work. Absolutely. And now you're going to terminate him because he didn't get the job. Come on. Well... I tell you, I'm, I'm going to bring you back because we have a lot to talk about. This is just not over. We got to talk about this, I think, every day until we shake people. We have to. I mean, I'm not. we can't sit back and watch this any longer, and uh, that's why I do this every day. Um, tell everyone uh, uh, where they can see you, your your Instagram or whatever. Uh, before I let you go, I want everyone to follow every, you to uh, know. Every one of my social media accounts is the same. Bernard Carrick, my name. Um, with the exception of Twitter, uh, right now my my Twitter account's been hacked, and for some reason, um, <laughs> Twitter's allowing the hackers. This, I, this this is true. It's been going on for about three days, two, two days now. Yeah. Um, they hacked my Twitter account, and Twitter is actually allowing them to stay on the account. So I, I'm I'm not sure what that's about. I have an idea, um, but Bernard Carrick, uh, any one of the social media accounts, come out there. Well, we thank you. I thank you personally, um, my entire viewership, and anyone really that gets to, to, to have a chance to listen to you, meet you, as should be um, very extremely happy and, and blessed to, to be able to be part of your circle because you're an amazing person. I have great respect for you, always have, and always will. So uh, we're going to have you back on very soon. We're going to keep talking about this Anytime. until we fix it. Anytime. I appreciate you, my friend. I appreciate you thank very you, much, sir. and I'll see you soon. God bless. Thank you. You too. And so, yeah, so we're, we're here and um, we're still trying to take care of situations just with people like that. And that's what it's about. It's about teaming up with people who know a lot better than you, who, uh, who are there for you, tell you the truth. It's about honesty. It's about being in touch with yourselves and with the truth. And the truth is here. You heard it from the man himself. 
People are not being respected in the police force. People are not being respected anywhere. It's about a sign of respect. And we mentioned it today, is police officers, you know, they don't even care about their job anymore. They're not allowed to do their job. Basically, you can't arrest, you can't do this, you can't use, you can't do anything with the tools that we've been giving you. So why even do it? Very dangerous times, fellas, ladies and gentlemen. But if we don't talk about it, and we don't bring people like our hero, and we don't keep talking about this, who will? Who will? You know, Bernard is a person who's seen it, who was in it. I mean, he mentioned it, 9-11. He was right there. Now we're having a different type of 9-11. We have an ownership of the mind, ownership of people's future, complete ownership of everything. Communism at full force in the United States is happening right now in front of our eyes. Our borders are open. They're open people. They're completely open. There's no respect for the things that we used to respect. And so we got to keep respecting those things. We got to keep respecting our soldiers, our military, our police officers. You got to. We, that's what we stand for, what is right. And we stand for truth. You know, we can't agree and disagree, but the truth stands on its own. The truth stands on its own, people. You can't change that, even though they're trying to change that. Very dangerous times, people. But not impossible to conquer. We've been through this before. Never in the United States like this. Not so much socialism and communism and ownership like we have now. But this is something they've been working on for a while. And like Bernard was talking about, we have a chance at the next election to go out there and vote for better people. Even though they stole the last election, we can't allow them to steal another one. They're going to try to steal it again. They're going to try to use the same tactics, the same computers, the same software. They're going to do, how are we going to stop them? We need to be aware. We need to show up at these places. We need to vote in person. We need to extra vote. Hopefully some Democrats, as they're moving to the conservative parties, because they had enough with the Democratic Party, socialists, whatever party you want to call it, they're leaving. They're leaving because they don't feel safe with the Democrats. The Democrats have lost their minds. They're spilling some evil shit. And they're going, we don't want to deal with this anymore. Even if I don't believe 100% with the conservative party or whatever, I'm going to go there because they're protecting me. And I'm hoping that we don't just win, but we win huge. Because that's going to show these people on the far left that the American folks have woken up. They had enough. It doesn't matter what party you're in. What matters is what is honest and truthful and best for our country. <clears throat> and I'm hoping to God, I pray every day 
that the American people will show up and start voting for what is right and not this woke agenda, this child abuse, this line from the government, this, this weak individual in the White House who's creating a World War III in the mine and in other countries. The poison has been spread internally in our country through our schools, our media, and everything in between to lure you in. And they have succeeded. But how far are you willing to go until your life is, is in danger? It's not safe. And it's not safe for our country. If we stand, we stand together. But we stand for truth. We stand for what is right. It's important, people. That's why I'm going to keep having people come over and telling their stories about what is going on in their perspective. But it all kind of ends up in the same place. We want better folks out there to represent the American people. We, we want better, loving, kind, honest folks who love this country. People, if we let this country go and the media is going to get, keep getting more powerful and people are going to vote for this nonsense, we're going to lose our country. And we're going to lose a lot. Haven't we lost enough? Can we bring some common sense back into this world? Start dealing with people who are honest, who actually care. The promised land, remember? The land that we fought for to create in such a short amount of time the greatest country on planet Earth. That fight, those fights, those wars were worth fighting for. But now it's a psychological warfare of monumental proportion. And I'm here, little little guy here talking to the American people trying because that's what I got. You deserve the best. And I'm going to end, I want to focus on this, and as, as I focus on this every time, every day, that if you do not take care of yourself, if you don't put yourself in a place of dignity, of self-respect, of positive, of health, all those things for you individually, you cannot go to the next level and expect to receive and give the same back because you don't take care of yourself you got to put yourself in a place where you're loved and God loves you. You start respecting yourself, self-confidence, self-esteem. I am telling you, you have it already. It's already in there. No matter how hard it seems to be today that you got it all under control, you have whatever it takes. I always challenge everyone here, and I'm challenging you today. For the next 24 hours, take care of yourself. For the next 24 hours, imagine that you're on top of the world, 
you got everything you need to succeed in life, to feel better, to be healthier, to look better, to feel better, to think better, to sleep more, to have the energy to go, to take care of all your issues with no problem whatsoever. You have it. Even if you don't believe me, do it anyway. Give yourself 100% of credit and love and satisfaction to yourself through the power of God to see the next 24 hours, you will be extremely successful. You gotta, you gotta say it out loud. You gotta mean it. You can't rely on what you see and what you touch all the time. There's a spiritual warfare going on. If I ask you to be quiet right now and say to yourself internally, say to yourself right now internally without speaking out loud, but internally, say to yourself, I love myself and I'm the best. We all say that. Look, I'm going to do it right now. I said it to myself, right? That's, who, what is that voice? Who is inside you saying that? Can you believe that? We can talk to ourselves. We can see our past internally. We can see the stress that we're going in your mind. And then we can see our future we're powerful beings, guys and girls. We're more powerful than you can think. What other human being, what other creature on this planet is able to give thoughts, to talk, to have that soul inside you? There's something in there. We're speaking now. I'm releasing this energy, but I can do that to myself 24 hours a day, praying, constantly talking to the Lord, finding new solutions. But it starts within. So we are bigger and better already. If you look at it that way, that voice inside you, in your, that's your soul. That's your persona. That's what God made, individually sculpted. But if you think you're some like everybody else, everybody is the same. Everybody has to deal with the same stress. Everybody has to deal with the same consequences. No, it's not. It's no and no and no. You got to stop. You got to say to yourself, I am here talking to myself who is that person i am bigger i am connected with the universe i am much bigger than what i think i am and it's not conceited it's not that you're better than everybody else you are better for you so you can give others the most successful people that i encounter are people that smile people that are extremely busy they don't stop they want to keep going and going and going. They're driven because they have self-respect for themselves. It starts within ourselves, people. It starts with how you wake up in the morning, what kind of life you have, how do you expect things. If you start looking at those things, you're going to vote for the better people. You're going to vote for those things because you expect the same that you're giving yourself, that God wants you to have. So against all odds, against this darkness that we live in, the woke and all this other media and fake media and the lies, at the core of that, you are you and the soul that it was individually sculpted by God. And he gave us Jesus Christ to live through, to die for our sins, to say, listen, that's how much you're worth, where I can give my son to die for you. Now you believe it? So I'm not preaching. I'm just telling you the truth. You got to make better decisions, but first you got to love yourself. 
you got to drive yourself to get better in every aspect of your life that then automatically without even a thought you will want the same thing because you know that hard work is paid off you live a certain life with self-respect you start seeing things differently but when you let go of yourself, you start hating yourself, you start going into darkness, you start believing all this stuff in the world, how you're supposed to be, and you don't fit that mold. All of a sudden, you become not that special anymore, right? But you are. Everyone is. Self-respect. So you can respect the world, respect others. And if I can leave you with something, I leave you with that. Because everything follows. The way you, you live your life will, and if you live a certain life where you put yourself in a really good, loving place, Imagine the love that you can give and the decisions that you will make because decisions will be thought. That soul, that person, that, that, that thing inside you that speaks, you, because when you leave this flesh, that inside you will go. Your memories will go. Your life will go with you. That's what you have. You have your memories you have now and you have the admiration or the future already planted in your head. That's how great we are. We're pretty phenomenal if you think about it. But we don't have that self-esteem because life is hard, it's stressful, complicated, being taken over by all kinds of things nowadays. So do it for the next 24 hours. Live like you're on top of the world. Keep working on yourself and go, I'm going to do it one second at a time. I'm going to keep getting better. For the next 24 hours, I'm going to put myself in a place where I love myself, I take care of myself, and I get it done. Believe me, if you do that every single day, one day at a time, don't even worry about tomorrow. Just worry about 24 hours right now. And you'll look back and go, wow, I, I tried that. It actually worked. It happens all the time. I see it all the time. Miracles are happening all the time. They call me back. and You know what? I tried that. And some of them are, are skeptical. And they're like, I tried that. I had a great day, but... And I go, don't, no, stop right there. Keep doing the same thing the next day. And they do it. And then there's two days of happiness. And like, well, I did it. And then there's three, and there's four, and there's a way of life. God wants me to do this, and I'm going to keep fighting for this because I love what I see afterwards. I love how people react after they try something like that it's incredible why not why not help people why not help people get to the finish line have a beautiful day you guys i'll see you soon i'll see you tomorrow I'll see you in the next time and i want you to do it try it god bless you i love you guys and i'll see you at 9 a.m God bless. Ciao.